Welcome to a God Shift podcast, where we move you from disruption and delay into a greater destiny, expectancy, and possibility. I'm your host, Shana Rattler, and I'm a minister, author, and sought-after speaker. Join myself and other leaders who unapologetically share their story of when their life collided with God's purpose and put them on the path that was designed for them. You will learn how to bounce back from setbacks, disappointments, and uncertainty, and unlock the door to confidence move into your next chapter. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of A God Shift. I am your host, Shana Rattler. I'm really excited about the conversation that we're going to have today. But before we get started, I would love if you would do me a favor. Wherever it is that you are listening to this episode, I want you to take a screenshot. And with that screenshot, I want you to post it on your social media Tag us here at a God shift. And then I just want to hear your biggest aha or your biggest takeaway from this episode. Why do I do that? I do that because for all of my platforms, my mission is that people would recognize that whatever it is that they're going through, that there's hope on the other side of that and that there's God in the middle of that. And so the more times that these episodes are shared, the more likely we are to help as many people as possible in that area. And so I thank you in advance for being willing to share, share, share. All right. I am going to read my guest's bio, um, a little bit of it, because I don't want to spoil everything. And then we're going to get into what I know is going to be another fabulous conversation. Since his birth with a life-threatening heart malformation, doctors have diagnosed my guest with a fatal condition on eight separate occasions. As living proof of an overcomer, he spreads hope and faith to all who hear his testimony. After a career in college ministry with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, he has served three decades in financial services. He has written a ton of books. He is part of an amazing church. I know because I've been there and I have been associated with it. I don't want to spoil everything because I want to get to all of the great stuff that I know that he has to share with you. So I want to welcome to the show, Paul Renfro. Well, hello, Shana, and thank you for having me. And hello to all the listeners and viewers. It's really a privilege to be part of a God shift community because uh, disruption is all around. So I want to give a little bit of context because this may be some of the listeners' very first time here. And so my definition of a God shift is the moment a disruption in your life collides with God's purpose, but then that's when you're able to move into greater realms of possibility. And I believe that God is very strategic and he's very intentional about what he uses to get our attention. Because once he has our attention, that's when he can really invite us into what it is that he has for us. And so I would love if you could share a time with the audience, Paul, that you've actually had to overcome some form of disruption in order to get to where you are today. Well, at age 67, I could probably fill 10 interviews, but let's tonight, let's just focus on a disrupting dream that I had in on September 8th of 2011. I had just finished backpacking on the Appalachian Trail up in the uh, upper northeast corner of Tennessee at the Hump and Roan Mountain and Grassy Bald and Yellow Mountain. 
And I came back and I was asleep that night in my own warm, cozy bed and I had a dream. Now, it's not uncommon for the Lord to make his will known to me in dreams. It first began when I was 22. But this one was a little disruptive, Shana, because I woke up at 3.30 and I said, okay, Lord, what was that about? And without an audible voice, I wouldn't want any listeners to expect that, although he does use it. But with a 100% knowledge that it was him, he Mm -hmm. said, I want you in Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, tomorrow morning for the ministry training college. Wow. And my wife and I knew what that was. We had contemplated going there earlier and ruled it out as too disruptive. We were leaving our hometown, leaving our business, a long-time business, leaving all our relationships and our, our church there where we lived. And, and in addition, our son was in school, our, our youngest son still at home. But dad, we had contemplated, ruled it out six months previously, but that dream made it really plain. So when I woke up, my wife, Diane, now this will tell you about her good character. She got up and rubbed her eyes and <laughs> she said, I said, Diane, you need to wake up. I'm receiving some difficult leadership from the Lord. And she listened to me tell what I just told you. And then she said, Well, did he say us or you? (laughs) I I quickly thought, well, me. And she said, well, okay, you better do it. Just ask him if you can have a trial period while I pray over it for two weeks. Oh, wow. Well, I did. The the leadership here uh, at Christian International welcomed me, and they thought my event was unusual, but not out of range for normal. And they easily granted the two weeks. Well, my wife called me up in four days and said, this is definitely the Lord. Let's let our son finish the, the school year, and uh, we'll move down there in eight months. And that's how it worked out. And we've been here in 11 years now. Well, 12 for me, 11 for a family. And so how how did that change your life? Because here's what I know is that a God shift is a process. It's not just a moment. But when we have that disruption that interrupts our plans, it's the hinge that opens the door and pushes us into where it is that God is taking us and what it is that he has for us. And so there's a reason why he needed you to be there. If you look back now and look at how it connected the dots to where you are now. And so how did that change your life? Why was it important for you to pick up and go to Florida and be be here for this this season or for this program or whatever it is that was happening during that time? Well, I can give you that answer in terms of outcome, but the very first thing I want to share with your viewers and listeners is the principle that I have come to delight in, and that is obedience is its own reward. Yes. You don't need outcome. If you... Have if you receive the mercy, and you offer you partner with God, and you say, "Okay, I'll do it." That is its own reward. What could be better? Yeah, our heavenly Father to have the Lord Jesus walking alongside us, just like He did in Eden, and when the Holy Spirit feels all the pleasure as He lives within us, and we feel His pleasure, that is its own reward. And so, we don't use God for outcomes. We don't. 
uh, let me tell you, uh, we were tested. You oh, know, yeah. I, you know, I, I walked away from my business. You know, I had oh, far well more than 100 clients. How do you explain that in the financial business? How do you explain? Well, I had a dream and I moved. moved. You know, how do you explain that? Uh, you know, they question your stability and so forth. But God, God really. They don't have eyes to see. Yeah. Yes. What they see. And that's what's very difficult about vision is mm-hmm. that I heard someone say um, on my television show, I interviewed this pastor on my television show. And she said, when Lord gave you your vision, it wasn't a conference call. <laughs> didn't share that vision right. with a lot of people yeah. and some people and audience. This is why I'm saying this. This is why it's so important that you have people around you that believe the way that you believe and believe what it is that you believe, because there will be times in your life that the Lord is shifting you in an area and you share it with people and they don't have the spiritual eyes to see what it is the Lord is doing. And then their response to what it is that's sharing can sometimes cause you to doubt whether mm-hmm. you should be following God. And I can tell you that your best gifts are going to be wrapped in obedience. Keep going. Oh, that's so beautiful. And not only that, on Judgment Day, your your friends won't stand there with you. You better you know can- it. Yeah. And the book that's going to be read is going to be all your stuff. Yeah. If your name is in the book of life, then all the embarrassment you've already sent ahead is neglected. And the, the justice of God honors the sacrifice that Jesus made if, because we put our faith in Jesus. And that's, yeah. that's a beautiful thing from Romans 3, 21 through 28. So, uh, I, you know, in the end, I uh, we endured a lot of poverty for two years. Our home was foreclosed on. Uh, our, you know, people thought we were nuts. But we were drinking from the deepest fountain and the coolest water. And what was happening was not a matter of our mind and body, but of our spirit. Yeah. Coming alive in spirit is a process. As you said, it's a process. And and coming alive where you can walk with God, I'm not finished, and neither are you, and neither is the viewer or the listener. And so we're going to need more disruption, and we're going to need more God shifts, because it is His purpose to test us. He doesn't, you know, in one of my books, I've written about the origin of the devil. The devil was created as the seal of perfection in heaven, and when he rebelled, it was sent a shockwave throughout the heaven, of course, and it demonstrated that the uh, being created perfect is an inadequate basis for our fellowship with God. What it indicated, uh, and, and that's why he tests us through all these dis- God shifts and disruption, and will we obey? Because uh, when we're when we're in eternity, well, we're already in eternity at saved people, but when, when our bodies have been resurrected and we're there for all eternity, the, the perfection will be a tested perfection, not a created perfection. Correct. That's extremely important to the Lord. And that's why we endure these God shifts. Will we obey? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm clueless. And the same is true for all of us. And it's a process. Well, that's where the mercy and the fatherhood of God are so rich because he he leads us along. It's so beautiful. I mean, your life is a testimony coming out of a medical background and the things that have happened to you, Shana, 
And, and so it's just so beautiful. I mean, I've listened to your podcast and, and it's, you know, I'm really kind of embarrassed about doing all this talking because your story is far more compelling and equally motivating to anybody who's listening. And the thing about it is, is um, every, the things that God uses to interrupt our plans, because that's what disruption is. It's an, it's a divine interruption. I said in the beginning that interruption is an invitation, but the Lord uses in our lives what he knows it will take to get our attention. So there are some of us that the Lord can just sprinkle a little whisper and we're off to the races. There's others like myself that I have to be hit over the head with a two by four if you're going to get my attention and get me to change my plans. Um, And sometimes the disruption is a lot more significant um, and traumatic. And those are the times that people are like, is this really God? You know, they don't, I, I got basically beat up on Facebook one day because I said that the Lord allows these things to happen in our lives and we need to learn how to embrace it, heal from it so that we can move on from it. And this, this lady, you know, basically was beating me up about like, oh, so you're saying that, you know, people that are being, that have been raped should just get over it. And I said, yes. I'm not saying that it depicted what happened in their lives. I'm not saying that um, that there's not pain and trauma that's associated with it, but should they find a way to heal from it, learn from it, and move on so that they can have a, a powerful life and so that they can help other people? So if you want to condense it down to one word, one little sentence stem that I said about get over it, then I'll, then my answer would be yes, but that's not fully what I said. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, the Lord, he does allow sometimes traumatic things to happen in our lives. People operate in free will. And so there are people out there that do horrible things to other people, not because that's what God wants them to do, but the Lord, nothing happens in our lives unless the Lord allows it. And here's the thing, what we're going to talk about when we come back after the break is that when the Lord does allow something to happen in your life, even if it's traumatic, He really is using that because he wants it to become a tool in your life that moves you forward to a great place so that you can also help other people move forward in their lives in a great place. But many of us say, stay so in the moment of what happened to us that we don't see what it is that God wants us to see. We don't learn what it is that he wants us to learn and we never get to where it is that he needs us next. And then we just stay stuck. So we're going to take a quick break. And Paul, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about how people should respond when God sends these disruptions so that they can make sure that they get to a place of a victorious life and aren't in my comments um, beating me up. episode is brought to you by the free guide when god says shift inside you'll discover the four shifts required to reveal god's plan to ditch disruption or delay and get his blessings faster Head to GodSaysShift.com to access it now. All right. Welcome back. So before the break, we were talking about the fact that the Lord will use things to interrupt our plans 
we all have plans and we all think our plans are important. And when the Lord uses something to interrupt our lives, we're always on the way to somewhere. Even if we look in the Bible, when Jesus healed people, I can't think of a time, very many, there's a couple, but there's not a lot of times that he was on his way to heal a person. The oh. Lord was on his way somewhere else, and he was interrupted by a request for healing, and he stopped and healed the person. You get where I'm going with this? And so all of us are on our way somewhere when the Lord interrupts us. And so we we adopt this mindset that the, that where it is that we're going and what it is that we have planned is more important than the reason why the Lord is interrupting our lives. So I want us to get into some deep stuff, Paul. Okay. So you go through this moment of disruption in your life. You may or may not have been equipped back in 2011 to know how to respond to those divine, you know, those invitations that the Lord has given us like you are now. But I know based on this 10 book series that you have written, that you understand the deep things of the Holy Spirit. And it's only the Holy Spirit. I say all the time that the reason why Jesus was able to die was because he passed the power and authority onto us to be able to do the things that he did. That's why it says in John, greater works than these shall you do in my name. And the second part that most people don't quote is because I'm going to the father. So it's basically like God is in heaven. Jesus is now at the right hand of the father in heaven. And the only thing that's left here for us, and I don't say only to diminish it, but the thing that is left here now is the Holy Spirit that is within us. And that's the power that is in us to get over these disruptions and get to a better place in life. So if someone is listening to this episode, Paul, and they're thinking, yes, I'm smack dab in the middle of a disruption. The Lord has sent his divine invitation and I want to know how to respond. How? What are some of the things that you teach in your book that can really help a person respond appropriately when disruption comes knocking at their door so it's not something that keeps them stuck? Well, some is a good word because there's a lot. And so one thing that's on my mind as we've talked that you have a, this interview is having a listener or a viewer who needs to understand what Jesus said when he meant, when he said, uh, the eye is the lamp of the body. Yeah. If your eye is good, then what comes in will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, then there'll be only darkness within you. And so this is a, a the ability, you were, used the word mindset earlier and then plans. And I've heard you on your podcast, there's a cycle of belief, expectation, and fulfillment. And one, it's not merely our, our plans that uh, can be disrupted, but also how we think and what we yes. expect in life. has to be. And so, for instance, a person can grow up with a kick me sign on their back. And, you know, in a, you know, listener, viewer, you know who you are, where your whole life you just end up in bad relationships or your whole life you end up being taken advantage of by others. But in, in turn, you expect it and then it's fulfilled. It becomes self-fulfilling prophecy. And one of the areas where the Holy Spirit of truth Notice that uh, the Holy Spirit of truth he is a comforter, yes, but he's the Holy Spirit of truth and he is holy. 
And he'll get in with his toolbox and he'll work inside those beliefs because he doesn't like the expectations they give rise to. And he certainly doesn't like the fulfillment that's expressed in your life. And so, but this is a process. It, it may be instant, but these disruptions are like shoehorns to get us into the new shoe. And then we need another new shoe and so forth like that. And so it's really beautiful how the Lord works. You know, the Job. Uh, anybody who's suffered has probably read the book of Job. Yeah. And uh, to reinforce what you were saying earlier, it wasn't the devil who attacked Job. But really, I mean, it was God. The, the God said, hey, have you concerned my servant Job? I mean, God brought him up because God intends for these disruptions to occur. Is the devil attacking you? I can say confidently, no. He's only getting, he's got a body. He's physically limited. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not everywhere. In the Bible, the devil only interacts with four people directly. Mm -hmm. And so he's got henchmen. Are the henchmen attacking you? Uh huh. And uh, are they, are they steering our country astray? Are they dominating cultures and industries like Hollywood? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You bet. Are they dominating religion so that uh, people can go to church but hurt each other and be mean and awful and terrible yeah, and hypocrites? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you bet. Well, he has henchmen. Well, how do you withstand all this? You know, it's like Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against ancient principalities of evil and wickedness in the heavenly places. Yes. Well, golly. So what? How, how, how are we going to wrestle with them? Well, guess what, Jesus? First recorded statements were in the New Testament, blessed. That's the key word now, blessed. We don't want to skip over it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, I qualify. How about you, Shana? Yes. A viewer, listener, do you qualify? Are you poor in spirit? Well, what's the natural response? This is awful. Yeah, it's awful. i got these enemies that are ancient. They've got hundreds of lifetimes. I've got one. How can I stand up against them? That's why you mourn, because you are completely helpless. Oh, well, guess what? Helpless. I'm meek. Wait, wait, wait. Blessed are the meek. Wow. Hey, this is too awesome. How, how on earth are these topsy-turvy things blessed? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Man, I know I want out of this, this calamity. I want yeah. things to be right. Uh, well, gosh, but look at my friends. Blessed are the merciful. Look at my friends. Look how tormented they are. How can I ask for special favors or what have you? Oh, blessed are, are the pure. And, and it goes on. But then, gosh, Shana, and viewer, listener, you need to understand the be this Beatitudes from Matthew 5. And the Beatitudes are like the table of contents for the New Testament living. That's why they're the very first recorded thing in of Jesus in the New Testament. It's no accident by the Holy Spirit. And, and so it's so beautiful. Because why are we blessed? Ours is the kingdom of heaven. We're like the royalty, the princes and princesses. We'll be comforted. We'll inherit the earth. Just like Jesus said, just like God said when he created us in Genesis 1 29, fill the earth and subdue it yes. and exercise dominion upon the earth. Yes. So everything that God originally intended in Eden, the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. He didn't say who was lost. He did elsewhere. But in Luke 19, he said to Zacchaeus, you know, he said that which was lost. He's restoring Eden. Well, guess what? We're pretty far removed from Eden, aren't we? Yes. You know, I mean, I personally, our society, our cultures, our industries, our families, 
And so guess what? It's a process. And if you really share God's ambition, viewer and listener, if you want what he wants, and that's really a basic kind of question, it's pretty simple. And you just say, God, whatever you want, I'm on your side. Yes. And he'll use that to introduce disruption. So we're not promising you a rose garden. However, we are saying you can be intimate with God Almighty. The Holy Spirit grows within you and you can mature. You can see with his eyes. You can hear with his ears and speak with his mouth. And it's so rich. What could be better? I mean, I, I, I've been, and I'm just going to, you know, you started off by saying eight times doctors have diagnosed me with some fatal problem. Yeah. Well, obviously I'm not dead, but I will die. Who cares? You know, I'm going to die. Shana, you're going to die. Viewer, you're going to die. So what are you going to do in between time? You know, it's like those things saying about your, your tombstone. What was your dash? You know? Yes. Yeah. What are you, what are you going to do with the dash? <laughs> right. And so, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm not just interested in rewards in heaven, although Jesus said they will be very great. And that's good. But my eternal life has already started. Yeah. I don't have to die to start eternal life. It started the day I said, Jesus, I'm here. And that's so true for you, too, viewer. We're not just hanging on for the sweet by and by. We don't want to just be extricated from this body and rescued from this calamity. We welcome the calamities. We welcome anything that our Father would choose because those years, those months, rather, when we first moved down here, we were in extreme poverty. My wife called our residence a hovel. And <clears throat> you know what? We obeyed the Lord. I mean, golly, I was 50 at the time. No, no, no. I was 55 at the time. My wife was 60. And here, after being in a financial career, you know, supposed to be rich and successful and everything, our home was foreclosed on. But every night, I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage payment tomorrow, but I trust my father. And I trust my father. Golly, what if Adam and Eve had said that? Oh, gosh. What if Judas had said ask that? You, I have to ask you this, Paul, um, because you, you talked about like, you know, like, what are we going to do, right? Um, and typically, I, I always tell people like, before you jump to the doing, you really have to think about who it is that God is asking you to become when he uses something. But here's where I want you to go with this. Okay. Someone is listening to this episode and they're like, I just heard everything he said and it sounds great but I have no idea how to put that into action, right? And so if you think about someone who might be listening to this and they're experiencing whatever it is that God is using in their lives at the moment, or maybe it was in the past and they, they're they still trying to figure out how to get on the other side of it. What is one thing that they can start doing the moment they hear this episode that is gonna help them put all of these things that you've talked about into play in their lives. And the reason why I ask that is because some people are not as far along as others. And a lot of times when we tell them in the Bible, it sounds like a story and it's in conceptually, they may grasp it, but they don't really know how to apply it. And I believe that the only way that they can get true transformation is that they have some implementation. So what's one thing that anybody who is listening to this right now can begin to do that is going to shift them to the other side of this disruption? Well, one thing is a hard question. Uh, 
I mean, there's church, there's Bible study, there's habits that cultivate this life of surrender, but it is a life of surrender. And I was listening to your interview recently with Tracy Miller, and either you or she referred to having to open your hand and let go of what you're holding so tightly. And that life of surrender, what did Jesus say? If any man would come after me, and that's what we're talking about, you know, we're talking about being mature like him and experiencing the bounty of a relationship with the Father. But what did he say in Luke 9, 25? He said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself daily. And that was number one in that sentence. And and I heard Helen Rosevere, the great missionary, and I was a bodyguard, you know, when I served with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, we manned the Urbana Missions Convention, which was triennial. And one year I was the bodyguard for all the speakers. And mm-hmm. so I don't need to name drop, but Helen Rosevere was the most demure British woman, maybe in her 60s at the time, you know, like a little Miss Marple, you know, carrying a little pocketbook, you know, in her hand and very precious woman, but it just like radiating with the spiritual power because of her gang rape and Congo and everything while she was a missionary and all the forgiveness and the mercy and grace that she had incorporated to overcome that traumatic experience. Well, guess what? <laughs> she had this great expression and she's talking to 17,000 college students. You could have heard a pin drop, just her little bitty voice. And she said, you know, the little girl, her mother, grandmother gave her a, 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 a costume jewelry, a pearl necklace, and she held it so tightly and wore it all the time and loved it and treasured it. When one day when she turned 10, her father came and said, "Give, put, take your necklace in your hand. And the little girl took the necklace in the hand and he said, now give it to me. And she clenched it ever tighter and he said, you're going to have to give it to me. She clenched it ever tighter and, she, and the, her father said, do you trust me? She cried and said, yeah. She went like this. And he took the necklace and gave her a real pearl necklace. Oh, gosh, she just had the chills over my, that moment of 17,000 here a pin drop. Well, that's how it is. And you ask me one thing, and it's you, sometimes your Heavenly Father has to go, yeah. I'm going to give you that pearl necklace. And he has to that finger and you're just holding with all your might but you can't resist god oh i'm gonna hold it with three fingers look make it easy on yourself here yeah i say all the time that um letting go Mm -hmm. is one of the most important steps to shifting but it's also the hardest thing to do and think about it letting go of what you had in mind Mm -hmm. And that ties in so much to what we're talking about during this conversation today is that we had one thing in mind and then the Lord interrupted what it was that we had in mind. And we, you know, think about your life. Mm. You had to let go of everything that you knew, everything that you had built and everything that you had intentionally created to provide stability in your life. And so it was like you had your Abraham moment back when he was Abram and it said, go to the place that I will show you. (laughs) Now He told you what the place was, but you had no idea. Like, how does this even make sense? But I think that you're a testament to two things. One, 
when God asks you to shift, it's not because things are wrong in your life. It's not always because something is wrong in your life. And number right. two, the disruption that is not always something that's negative. I do believe that by nature, this, the word disruption has a negative connotation. But sometimes when the Lord asks us to shift, where he's taking us to is going to give us more income and influence than we've ever had in our lives. But it's required you yeah. to walk away. You know, I've, I've said it many times before. Um, you know, sometimes he asks us to let go of trash, but other times he asks us to let go to treasure. So how will you respond when he asks you to let go of a good thing? Yeah. Um, viewer, listener, hey, that's a good question. You need to listen to Shana. <laughs> yeah. You need to listen to Shana. She knows. I'm like Google. We are over time, but before we get ready to go, I want you to talk a little bit about, you have written a 10 book series. And we don't have time to talk about all of the books, but is there an umbrella statement that you can give us that kind of encompasses what the entire series is about and how it would help people's lives? Yes. Here's the umbrella statement that flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And when Jesus said that to Nicodemus in John chapter three, he was promising that when we believe in him, we are reborn as spirits, Adam and Eve, and were originally spirit, body, and soul. When the day, God said the day they eat of it, they'll die. They did die that day. Not their body, not their soul, but their spirit. And as a result, their communion with God was broken and they were put under the spin wheel of destruction. But when we put our faith in Jesus, our spirit is reborn. And this is the thing that I want to leave your viewer and audience uh, with because uh, we're you're a living human spirit if you're a Christian. And it is God's intention that your spirit should dominate your body. So Paul said in uh, Galatians 5, 17, the flesh is at war with the spirit. Mm -hmm. the, the desires are contrary to one another. So you don't do what you really want to do. And he testified about that in Romans 7. So it's a process. That's why he says in Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the spirit of life. And that's what that means. You're born as a living human spirit. And so the unseen, the, 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 the series of unseen books, which people can get, they can see them on Amazon, but they can also get them at my website, paradigmlighthouse.com. Paradigmlighthouse.com. And and right, and and as we record, by the time this airs, this book will be out. Nobody sees these enemies how to discern and disarm unseen tempters. Oh. And so this uh, is a book where we're going to review Satan's original four strategies against humans. One of the reasons that God wants to shift us is so that we can mature as spirits, as his partners. We're seated in the heavenly realms with him, but what the heck does that mean? Well, you won't learn until you start to open your hand and release your costume jewelry. In order yeah. to receive true world ju crown jewels that he has for you. That is so good. Paul, where can they follow you on social media? My Facebook handle is Paradigm Paul. Now, Paradigm is spelled P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. Paradigm Paul uh, is very unique. There's no other. <laughs> you won't have to have any trouble finding me. Paradigm Paul. Awesome. Well, I am so glad that you are here today, and I'm so glad that the Lord yeah. sent you here with these 10 books. And you all, this is why I want you to go to this website and see which of these books makes the most sense for where you start. I personally am going to say you need to read all of them, but yeah. decide where you need to need to start, because this unseen realm 
is what is going to be the most dangerous in your lives. We're not just fight what you see. I'm not saying don't fight the things that you can see, but the things that are unseen are the things that are going to have the ability to have the strongest hold on you. And my pastor teaches that there's a difference between a foothold and a stronghold. And the things that you see can easily become footholds in your life and are much easier to fight them because you see them and you know exactly what it is that you're dealing with. But it's these unseen things that the enemy uses to create strongholds in our lives. And it's the strongholds in our lives that are digging roots and are the reason why I get so discouraged that I talk to somebody and the things that happened to them 40 years ago are still impacting them now, just like they were on day one. And so get these books so that you can learn how to align with the Holy Spirit and so that you can learn how to fight the unseen principalities that are fighting to destroy your life and destroy your children. And I don't want to get it on a soapbox because we will be here forever. So, Paul, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. And everything starts in the unseen, not only the problems, but also the solutions. Correct. Correct. So everyone go get those books, share, share, share this episode, because many churches are not teaching how to align with the Holy Spirit and how to use the the things of the Spirit to fight. And we are in warfare over our lives, over our children's lives, over our churches, over our societies, over our nations. And so share this episode. And everyone, I pray that this episode has blessed you and that you will go back and listen to previous and future episodes as well. Everyone have a great day. Bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to the God Shift Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And remember to put God first and everything will fall into place.